welcome in to Church Online. We're thankful you're here. As always, go ahead and take a moment, comment on the live chat below. Let us know you're here. Give us a praise report if you have any prayer requests. Feel free during the message to light up the comments and stay engaged with us. One of my favorite things about the week or the months after Easter is the early church would do this greeting with one another where they would greet each other in their gatherings or as they go into other homes or what have you and let each other know and remind each other that, hey, celebrate Christ is risen. So even as you're commenting, go ahead and put hallelujah, amen, praise God, Christ is risen. Well, we are excited um, as we're continuing to do church online is we put together this series that I believe is going to be a blessing, that is timely, that is applicable, that is going to bless you and your family as you're tuning in these next few weeks. And the series we're going to be talking about is parables, that there's these hidden truths, these kingdom truths that are hidden in plain sight. You know, all throughout Scripture, the Gospels especially, Jesus' preaching style, his teaching style, is he used parables to take hard truths, to take difficult truths, to take mysteries, and to make them applicable, and to make them palatable, to make them understandable to the everyday person like you and I. And so we're going to look at several parables that Jesus teaches really in regards to his second coming, in regards to the end times, in regards to being prepared to steward, to be faithful. And so I'm excited. I believe this is going to bless you. And as we're getting into this message, go ahead and share this message on your Facebook. Share it, uh, text it to a friend, because we want to encourage as many people to tune in to these messages uh, while we're doing church online. So if you open your Bibles, we'll get into God's Word, and then we'll pray together. Go ahead and open up to Matthew 24, verse 42. This is going to give us some context, and then we're going to get into the parable that we're going to teach from today. Matthew 24, verse 42 says this. It says, This is why you must stay alert, because no one knows the day our Lord will come. But realize this. If a homeowner has known what time of night the burglar would come to rob his house, he would have been alert and ready and not let his house be robbed. So always be alert and prepared, because at an hour when you're not expecting him, the Son of Man will come. Verse 45, who is the one qualified to oversee the master's house? He will be a reliable servant who is wise and faithful, one he can depend on. The master will want to give him the responsibility of overseeing others in his house. For his servant will lead them well and give them food at the right time. What joy and blessing will come to the faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence. This really is going to give us context into three parables that we're going to be teaching on to this, the Sundays, um, the next few weeks. But the parable I want to focus in on today is the parable known as the ten virgins the parable known as the Ten Bridesmaids. So if you turn over one more chapter, Matthew 25 in the Passion Translation, it speaks of a parable, Jesus telling a story to illustrate this truth of being awake, of being alert. That the Bible teaches us 
were to really live prepared, that were to live like Jesus could come tomorrow, but be prepared as though he will tarry. That this is really the paradox of the Christian life, that we're living like he could come tomorrow, that the second coming of Jesus could come, that it says no man knows the day or the hour. But then as he tarries, as he has throughout time, that we're to live prepared. So let's see as Jesus breaks down this truth of his second coming, of being watchful, of being prepared. Look at what Matthew 25 says. It says, At the time my coming draws near, heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to ten maidens who took their lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. Five of them were foolish and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil. Amplified brings that word extra in for their lamps. Five of them were wise and sensible, for they took flask of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom didn't come, when they expected, they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. Then suddenly, in the middle of the night, they were awakened by the shout, Get up! The bridegroom is here, it says. Come out and have an encounter with him. So all the bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish ones were running out of oil. So they said to the five wise ones, Share your oil with us, because our lamps are going out. We can't, they replied. We don't have enough for all of us. You'll have to go and buy some for yourselves. When the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him and the wedding party to enjoy the feast. And then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. But he called back, go away. Do I know you? I can assure you I don't even know you. That is the reason you should always stay awake and be alert, because you don't know the day or hour when the bridegroom will appear. Man, we see some heavy truth. We also see one of the more difficult parables in all of Scripture of Jesus taking five foolish and five wise. And we're going to get into that in just a minute, but I want to preach to you from the topic today. I want to preach, are you ready? Are you ready? Ask yourself, look at your spouse, look at your kids, ask them, are you ready? That we're called to live in this state of making sure our soul is ready. Making sure in times like this and pandemic that we are ready. You know, through this, as I've been just discussing with family and discussing with Pastor uh, Joyce, we've really been brought back to this place of years ago, years and years ago, God began to deal with our church and our leadership to teach his people, teach his church to be prepared, to be ready. Yes, spiritually, but also physically. That we took... Um, we created events years ago to invite church and invite those in our community. Alan and Lisa Lay were a great help with this. But we began to say, this is how you're to prepare in a pandemic. This is how you're to prepare if you have to hunker down in your house. Here's how many masks you're to have. Here's non-perishable foods you want to get. Here's how you're, you want to stock your shelves. Here's how you deal in, uh, with uh, simple wounds and getting the right bandages and the right medicines. And we went on this journey as a church to make sure we are prepared. Well, in one of the expos we had, we opened up with this video 
And I came across it. It came across one of my feeds. And I want you to see this, and I want it to grab your attention as we examine, are we ready? And when is the right time to get ready? Check this out. Don't wait. Communicate. Make your emergency plan today. I pray that opens your eyes this morning, that we be a people who are not like the foolish bridesmaids, but we take the example Jesus is teaching that we are wise, that we are discerning the signs of the times like the sons of Issachar in the Bible, that we not allow change and and pandemic and crisis to crush us, but we learn because we're prepared that we can walk in wisdom and be a blessing and be able to hear the voice of God in the middle of a crisis. So several things I want to unpack as we really dive and uncoil this, par uh, this parable. One, we see right off the bat that it's 10 bridesmaids. We also see that one had the, or the five wise had not just oil, but they had extra oil. So they had their lamps, but they also had their flask and their jars with them. The foolish just, it didn't say that they didn't have any oil, but it says that they had just enough. They had just enough maybe to get them through the night. That was it. They didn't bring extra with them. We also see that all 10, they slumbered. They got drowsy, and the scripture says that they went to sleep. See, this is a picture really of death. When we leave this body behind and our spirit goes to be with Jesus, it goes to the judgment seat, we give an account of our lives. And so this gives a picture that we are all going to have an appointed time. But what I love about this story and what is also very challenging about this story is really it's speaking to the same group. It's speaking to all the bridesmaids. But what we begin to see is this distinction come in of those that were prepared and those that were ill-prepared. And my prayer and my heart for you is that we be a church that is prepared, that we be a church that is ready, that we be a church that can answer the crises of our times with the solutions, with, with Jesus, with love, with the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that we not be scared or ill-prepared, but we be ready for anything that tries to come into our world. So I want to get into some distinctions and begin to bring some things out, but we see really our, the question is, if we're ready, we're wise. If we're not, we're foolish. And what we see through this is, is especially with the oil, you have to ask yourself several questions, and one would be this. What does the oil in the lamps represent? Well, as you study this, you'll begin to see the oil represents the works, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That 
we see that these ten bridesmaids, or the King James Version will say the ten virgins, that the reason the reference is a virgin is because they're those that were walking in virtue. So they were walking in good works. But you and I know that good works don't save us. That really the formula, I like to say, or the path of salvation is we're saved by faith or we're saved by grace through faith for good works. And so the oil representing the Holy Spirit is that you have to make sure that you have this inner life, that you're not just doing good works, you're not just doing Jesus, you're not just doing the things that we're supposed to do but we're being, we're in the state of becoming, we're growing. Our inner life is active, it's robust, it's thriving. And see, through this pandemic and this crisis, as we've been quarantined, as we've been at home, all of the busyness, everything that keeps us really distracted has stopped. And we've had to focus in on the inner life. And see, I believe that this can be a moment of what we see in Matthew 24, known as the beginning of sorrows. That this is the moment where we're seeing things begin to unfold. And I'm excited because I'm gonna be giving you practical truth through this scripture, but at our midweek service, Wednesday night at eight o'clock right here on our channel, is I'm gonna be sitting down with a great friend of our church, Wally Chubat, who has a great Bible prophecy eye. He can see things, he's, he's um, from the Middle East, he's grown up as a student of God's word and brings a great patristic perspective, a universal perspective on understanding the timeline. So we're gonna be looking at and discussing where this virus, this beginning of sorrows, is coming in on the prophetic timetable. So be sure to tune into that because it's just gonna build upon this series on parables. And again, those are gonna be our midweek service at eight o'clock right here on the Gathering Place Church YouTube channel. So we see this oil. We see that when the five foolish ran out, that they went to those that were wise to ask, hey, give us your oil. We ran out. Give us what you have. And there are several ways you can really preach this. But one thing I think we all know is that those who live unprepared, those who live uh, not in a place of being ready, is when calamity pandemic happens, the first thing they do is they run to those that are prepared. They run to those that are wise, run to those that can hear from God. And this is just really a picture of the world, that when you're foolish and unprepared, you try to run to those and you try to scramble at the last minute and get things together. Well, Jesus says, we have to be watchful. And he's not saying try to discern or decode the signs of the times. Yes, we, we do. But he's saying even more, what my heart is for you is you have to be watchful. You have to walk in virtue, which means you're, you're climbing, you're ascending the ladder, you're, you're getting to know God more, you're, you're moving forward in your faith, you're understanding more truths, you're getting revelation from heaven downloaded into your life. You're serving, you're loving your neighbor, you're loving God. You're walking out a spirit-filled, robust Christian life. So he's saying, don't be foolish, but be wise. Make sure that the oil is there. Another detail that really grabs uh, my attention is this detail that the five foolish, they brought just enough. They brought just enough. And I think this really speaks to maybe if you're in a season of your life where you're lazy, 
Maybe you're a procrastinator. Uh, maybe you're just kind of inactive. Maybe you kind of hide behind uh, the scenes or hide behind something or someone else. Is that we need to make sure that we're not walking like a foolish bridesmaid where we bring just enough, but that we bring extra like the wise bridesmaids do. And so we see throughout Scripture is, especially in Proverbs, known as the wisdom chapter, it gives us heavenly insight of what does it mean to be called wise? How can I practically be wise in my life? Well, I challenge you to read a proverb a day. There's 31 chapters, so you can read a proverb a day and, and supplement that in, in your quiet times and in your times with God. But we're going to see in the beginning of Proverbs chapter 1 what's known as wisdom's warning. And I want to read this scripture to you because this gives a warning to not be foolish, but to listen to the voice of wisdom. Look what it says, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. It says, Wisdom's praises are sung in the streets and celebrated far and wide. Yet wisdom's song is not always heard in the halls of higher learning, but in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Its lyrics can always be heard above the din of the crowd. You will hear wisdom's warning as she preaches courageously to those who stop to listen. Foolish ones, how much longer will you cling to your deception? How much longer will you mock wisdom? You cynics, why do you fight the facts? Come back to your senses and be restored to reality. Don't even think about refusing my rebuke. Don't you know that I'm ready to pour out my spirit of wisdom upon you and bring to you the revelation of my words that will make your heart wise? Wisdom, right now, right in your living room, the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is a representation of the Holy Spirit that he's longing to touch you. He's longing to fill your oil flask. He's longing to pour himself into you so that you can discern the, the signs of the times, so that your heart can be wise, so that you're not walking as though you're foolish. I like this, this phrase, this definition of wisdom. Write this down. It says, wisdom is to do now what will make you fulfilled later. Wisdom is to do now what will make you fulfilled later. It's delayed gratification. It's getting things in place now. So when tomorrow comes, because tomorrow always will, you're prepared to step into whatever tomorrow may bring. Also, get this in your spirit. Is wise people pay the price of diligence, steadfastness, and sacrifice, and later they are rewarded for it. Say it again, wise people pay the price of diligence now. They pay the price of steadfastness. They know their sacrifice, and later on, you're rewarded for it. So we see this in this parable of the ten bridesmaids. One thing about a foolish person, too, or a foolish spirit, is they really leave no time for delay. There's not a lot of margin, that everything's just scattered and, and kind of crazy in their life all the time. I want you to really catch this, uh, that foolish people leave no time for delay. There's a story where I really began to experience this in my life. I can remember that uh, when Bree and I first had kids, and we had Daniel and, and got things underway, and then uh, 15 months later, Daniel and Eleanor are 15 months apart. We had Ella. 
And on Sunday mornings, they can be pretty crazy in our house. And I have no idea um, why the song, It's Easy Like Sunday Morning, I have not experienced that in about two years now. But Bree will run off to church, get here by 8.45, and we'll practice and pray with the worship team, get ready for the service. And then I'll come behind. I'll be super dad, of course. I'll get everything ready, get the bags ready, get their clothes ready, diapers changed, and get the kids over to where they need to be so that we can be ready to minister and, and, and get ready for the church service. So early on, I didn't get this really. I thought I could kind of wing it. I thought I could just get up and things would, would magically all come together, not realizing how much Bree did. And with her, with her absence at first, feeling scattered and, and fearing. One of my biggest fears is I'm, I'm going to be late for church. I'm going to miss. I'm not going to be there. Something happens. And so I can remember one Sunday this happened where I, I caught this lesson is that I don't, I need to make margin. I need to make sure I have room for delay in my life is that was getting the kids ready and come to find that it takes one parent, it takes 20 to 25 minutes to get your kids in the car, get them to church, make sure they have all their snacks, have all their formula, have enough diapers, have enough wipes, and that they're ready to go. And man, I just can remember just walking into church that Sunday, probably 30 minutes before it started, hair's all messed up, probably got a little slobber on my jacket, and just feeling so ill-prepared. And I'm like, man, I've got to make some changes in my life. I got to get up a little earlier. I got to make sure I do things the night before so that I'm prepared and ready to get the kids to get to church and to do what I know I'm called to do. And so we see through this parable of the ten's bridemaids is that foolish people don't do anything extra, that they just do bare minimum. They just do enough to get by. And see, that's no way that the gospel that we see in the Bible, we're called to live our life, that we're called to be all in, that we just don't do just enough like the foolish did. And so I want you to, to begin to see this, that again, that inner life, that it's not just about making sure everything outside looks good, but that we understand what is beautiful, what is pleasing, what is a beautiful aroma to the nostrils of God is that which is our inner life, that which is our motives and our attitudes and, and the things that make up a relationship with God. And so knowing that this oil that they had was the hallmark and the distinction of having enough is what gave them really where they had that encounter with God, that they were able to go into the inner chamber with God, with Jesus is what it's describing. And so I just want to ask you right now and take some self-reflection. How is your spiritual life? You know, many times we, we, I've asked that question before and someone told me, oh yeah, I went to, I went to church or yeah, I um, watched this or listened to that. And I would kind of look up and say, that's awesome, but how's your spiritual life? that there's this part of, of our walk with God that isn't about the activity of God, but it's about this inner life. It's about this, really, this reflection. It's about going in deep and saying, how is my soul? How am I healthy? Am I spending time in the presence of God? And it's developing this in our life. You know, I've come to find, too, that uh, we're, we can be so unaccustomed to discomfort. 
I think we've seen through this is that when discomfort comes, it's easy to get anxious and it's easy to get depressed and it's easy to get all out of sorts because our lives and really in America, first world problems is that we're so used to so much comfort and ease around us. And now with just little things being stripped away, we're seeing that it's, it can cause anxiety at the drop of a hat when our schedule simply gets changed up. And so when you have an inner life, your soul can be at peace when there's crisis all around. When you have that oil of the Holy Spirit enough and it being overflowing and pouring in, you're going to have peace in times of crisis that you can take heart because you know that He has overcome the world and your life is built on Him, not anything else. So I want to look at Ephesians 5 verse 15 because it gives us practical example of how to develop the inner life, how to develop the oil of the Holy Spirit within us. Look what Ephesians 5, 15 says. It says, be very careful. So here's where we see caution again. It says, be careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding. So being those that are foolish, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. So in other words, other translations would say, redeem the time. Verse 17, don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. And don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Someone underline that. Be filled, instead of walking in rebellion, instead of being drunk with the things of this world, it says, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, pastor, that's great. I want to be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. How do I know that or how do I do that? We'll look at verse 19. It says, and your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture, singing the psalms and hymns and praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. Always give thanks to Father God for every person he brings into your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And out of your reverence of Christ, be supportive of each other in love. So Ephesians 5 gives this picture that we want to be alert. We see this theme again. We want to be vigilant. We want to be watchful. We want to be wise. We don't want to be foolish. But then it gives us instruction. How do we do that? It says we have to put off the flesh. We have to put off rebellious ways. And it says instead, go be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the fullness of who He is. How do we do that? Again, we get ourselves in the presence of God. We begin to worship. We begin to speak right things. We begin to be watchful. We watch what goes in the eyes of our heart. We watch what goes in our ears. We watch what comes out of our mouth. We begin to be cautious to make sure that our oil is not depleted, that our oil is not robbed, that we not just keep just enough, do just enough, but we have more than enough for when the time comes. You know, I think through this story as well, and again, it's a parable, so Jesus is using a story here. It's not a historical fact, but it's a story that Jesus tells, is that I think about it that what if the story would have ended this way? Because what we see is when the, the five wise say, we don't, we don't have enough, you'll have to go into the market, go into the city and get 
what you need. Well, what they did, they scrambled and they ran and they went into the market. And while they were gone, the, the delayed bridegroom comes and says, enter in, enter in. And when the, the five foolish came back, they looked and said, oh my gosh, he's already come. We've missed it. And they're banging on the door, say, Lord, Lord, let us in. I think about it this way. What if instead of putting all this effort to run into the market to go buy enough oil, what if they would have focused more on their inner life in that moment, not having this appearance and trying to get this collage together to say, look, look, we're all good. We have enough oil. What if they would have took very little effort and fell to their knees in a spirit of repentance and said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. I don't, I don't have enough, but have mercy on me. I repent. I think knowing the heart of God, he would have responded to that, that that's what he's looking for, not trying to run around and make sure we look right all the time, that we do right all the time. But how's your soul? What's the condition of your heart? And we see, just playing this picture out, we see that that would have been, I think, the better thing to do, that we know God is a merciful God, but they were unprepared. They weren't discerning of the season. They weren't discerning of the time. One more thing I want you to see too through this is we see this, this really parallel of Matthew 7 before where we see the, the narrow gate, the narrow path that we understand in this life. It is a narrow path. That's why we must be watchful and that's why we must be prepared. And again, as I'm preaching this, I'm feeling a sense of urgency in my spirit that this not just be another message, but we really take this parable and we see that Jesus means business, that his heart, yes, is full of mercy, that this is the hour of mercy, but there is going to come a time where we hear the trumpet, where we hear that Jesus is coming again. But what we see is, is in resemblance to Matthew 7 at the end of this parable where it says, Lord, Lord, let us in. Now this would, would be stirring up uh, scripture in Matthew 7 where they said the very thing, th same thing. They said, Lord, do we not cast out demons in your name? Do we not do all these amazing things? But what was Jesus' response? Depart from me, I never knew you. That, that we don't, our heart is, is never to hear that, that I didn't know you. And my heart is your pastor this morning, is that you would lean in, you would dive in, that you would take time during this season of being isolated, being quarantined, the hustle and the bustle that's calmed down, and that you would ask the question, how's my soul? Am I ready? Am I prepared for the coming of Jesus? Is my soul right? Do I have enough oil? You know, through all of this and really just preparing and, and knowing what the heart of God is and trying to sense what God is doing, uh, my heart is always, as I share really almost every week, is that when we bow in a spirit of repentance, we can rise in a heart of renewal. And as I said, the oil is this, is this work of the Holy Spirit. And here's what the work of the Holy Spirit longs to do. As we say, Holy Spirit, I need new wine. Holy Spirit, put a fresh touch on me. Holy Spirit, I need the winds of heaven to blow. Here's what will begin to happen in our lives is we're moved from one state to another. We're moved from being born again, being regenerated. 
And it's moving from corruption to incorruption, from spiritual death to spiritual life, from darkness to light, from the stable of our being where our passions are tied up, where we feel tame that we can't come up and out of these unhealthy cycles in our life. And we're moved to being a temple of divinity. We're moved from being a temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell. We also see that there's this eternal joy of where Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is the, is the bridegroom where we hear him say, enter in, come and have this encounter with me, come in to this closeness with me. Again, we have to be full of wisdom. We can't respond in foolishness. And I pray that this message encourages you, that you begin to just allow there to be really a holy wake-up call that your heart would begin to burn like we talked about last week, that you would see this parable that Jesus is saying, you got to be ready. You have to stay ready. You have to stay watchful and alert. And I know that by the reason you're, wa- the reason you're watching this is because you long to know God. You long to be with God's people. You long to say, Holy Spirit, I want that inner life. So what I want to do, church, I want to pray for you this morning. And I just want to ask for the oil of the Holy Spirit to come. I want to ask for the wind, the touch of God to come right now. If you would just close your eyes and just lift your hands right where you're at in your living room. Let's pray. Father, I ask for the oil of the Holy Spirit. I ask right now that we would be prepared, that we would hear your heart, that we would hear the still small voice of God. I believe he's nudging us right now saying, have wisdom. Don't walk in foolishness. Trust me. Trust my word. Lean in. Worship. Get your heart stirred. Turn from a spirit of rebellion. Turn from a spirit of drunkenness to the things and and the systems of this world. And begin to walk in wisdom. Begin to sanctify yourself. Begin to get things out of your life that are hindering. God, we ask right now that you would cleanse us. You would allow our hearts to burn. God, that we would know the Holy Spirit is alive, active, and powerful. That He longs to touch us. He longs to look deep within us and say, I want to fill you with my oil. I want to fill you with myself. Jesus, we thank you that this work is happening. That you're touching us right now. We open up ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Well, we thank you so much for tuning in this morning. We pray that you just begin to really study the parables of Jesus. Begin to read through the parable of the ten virgins. Begin to get, there's so much more in it. And as I said earlier, be sure to tune in with us for our midweek service as we sit down with our friends, uh, Wally Chubot, and as he goes through some deeper truths in this, that we see the prophetic timetable where all this is happening, the beginning of sorrows, that we're going to do our best as a church to make sure you're in the know, to make sure you're prepared. So I'm excited um, to, to broadcast that there Wednesday night, but I want you to know we love you, we're praying for you, and be sure to, to comment below. Be sure to fill out the form in the description. Maybe it's your first time watching with us. Maybe you want to know more about who Jesus is. How do I have this relationship? How do I walk in wisdom and make sure I'm not foolish? Well, fill out the form below in the description. And I personally want to connect with you. I want to call you, reach out to you, and walk you through some next steps. 
But church, we love you. We're thankful for you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next week. God bless you.